0: Welcome back to Momfidence, I am Lisa Popchak, and today I'm talking about principle seven in the Momfidence principles, which is I strive to be the change I seek in my family. You know, we all seek some kind of change in our family. We have to, right? Our, our family is supposed to grow and thrive and change over the years that we're together and help us every moment of every day to become the people God created us to be. You know, no family comes fully formed and bright and shiny and perfect right out of the box. In fact, as moms, it is actually our job to help form our family Into the individuals and family God has created them to be. But at times, as we try to do that job, it can seem exhausting and fruitless, especially when our efforts are reduced down to the habits of lecturing, nagging, or yelling. Because they bring little lasting change and they leave us feeling really ineffective. But when we change our focus to being the change we seek in our family, it bears great fruit, not only in our family life, but for our own souls and life. And it allows us to do that not just in the words we use, but in our deeds, in the way we are every single day, that allows our family to be taught, discipled, and really see that change in us as we help them make that change in themselves. You know, the idea of this principle seven comes from the great St. John Bosco, who was in charge of some very challenging children. A lot of them were street children, and he had gone about, you know, using those those first ways um, that I was talking about to discipline children, which was, you know, the lecturing, or the nagging, or even when he was very frustrated, he at least in his own self, felt drawn to, you know, going after them with a stick, you know, and kind of herding them down the road like wild beasts. And then this vision happened, where this beautiful lady came to him and said, no, this is not how I want you to be treating these children. Now, he never said she was the Virgin Mary, but all of his words allude to this is who this was. He seemed a little humbled to just out and out say that it was the Virgin Mary. But in this vision, she taught him to look at these children with the respect he would have for them as children of God, that these were the Lord's children and that she wanted him to treat them with guidance and love and gentleness and respect. And and reading about the preventive system online is just a beautiful thing to see what he asked himself and his fellow teachers of these children to do and how it changed him, his own character, and helped him develop virtue within himself, and the other teachers did as well, but also the amazing life change that he brought about in the children that he was called to serve. And he taught these other teachers that worked with him, the other people that were in charge of these children, to reform their own Thoughts about the children, but their their own behaviors as well in dealing with them. I, I'm going to give you one quote to sum this up, but I, I really do encourage you to look up um, on the Salesian website the preventive system of Saint John Bosco. It's fascinating, beautiful stuff. But Saint John said, "Self control in the adult caregiver must rule our whole being, our mind, our heart." our lips and we can see that when we first take time to gain self control, not just over our actions so that we're sort of suppressing anger or suppressing immediate reaction to the behavior of someone else, especially one of our children, but to really gain self control Enough to think about, you know, he talks about the transformation of our mind. We need to think about, you know, what is it we really want to see? Not just what we don't want to see, but what do we really want to see? Then we convert our heart saying, you know, I need to find love for this person, love for the virtue I want to instill. And then in our lips, as well because we don't just want to blurt out any old thing or nag. You know, scripture tells us not to nag our children actually, and we don't want things to cross our lips that would be detrimental to our children or our relationship with our children. So we instead are really called to what is a deep spiritual practice in what St. John's asking us to do to let self-control rule our whole being, our mind, our hearts, and our lips. And that, that practice allows us to begin to grow in virtue ourselves and facilitate change within ourselves. And then that allows us to be able to invite the Holy Spirit in to help us master our behaviors and help us to parent so that we can then make real progress in making positive change that we're so longing to see in a child, our whole family, whatever that is. But it it can be difficult to do. So one of the things I want to do in this principle today, in this discussion of this principle, is talk about some steps we can take As we do this, because I don't know about you guys, but it's very helpful for me, especially when I'm having a hard day with a child. If I take some time and really pray and ask God, you know, what do you want me to do in this? I am tapped out. Lord, I can't do anymore. I've tried everything. He will usually calm me. He will usually give me some insights. But I know that when I have steps to take in conjunction with whatever gifts the Holy Spirit would give me as I'm praying about the situation with that child, it helps. You know, we need steps sometimes that are clear. So let, let's go over the, the steps one at a time here. The first step in opening ourselves up to parenting in a way that allows us to really disciple our children because we are going to try to be the change that we're seeking in our family. The first step is to identify the change we want to see. You know, too often, as really tired, rushed, busy parents, as we all seem to be these days, we just react strongly to an irritating behavior. We just want it to stop. We think it's too noisy too messy, too aggravating, too whatever it is in that moment with our kids that's making us feel frustrated. So we react in some way that's supposed to convey our frustration. Thinking that if we just let our kids know we're frustrated, They will magically stop what they are doing and peace will reign and the little birdies will sing and, you know, maybe some woodland animals will come and clean up the mess, but it doesn't work like an animated movie. Usually nothing changes, at least not in a lasting way. We might get that momentary pause that comes with the shock of our being really frustrated and really angry but it doesn't last. And it certainly doesn't bring any change in virtue to our own selves or to the people that we're trying to change. So instead of just reacting, we need to take time to identify positively in a positive way in our own mind, the change that we want to see. So for example, I'm going, to, I'm going to work with two examples today and kind of bounce back and forth on how the following steps can help. So one example could be, I want my family to stop yelling at each other. I know a lot of moms that feel this way, that you know, every time we turn our back or go to throw laundry in the dryer, all we can hear is the kids take off yelling at each other. Sometimes it's parents and children yelling at each other, and it just is not what any of us are longing for as moms in our hearts. So we'll look at that example. Also, um, a more day-to-day example would might be, I want my child to succeed in school. But you can see both of these. I want my family to stop yelling at each other and I want my child to succeed in school are at least identified outcomes that are positive. You know, it's not... Um, it's not something that's very, very vague anymore. It's not just, I want everybody to shut up or you know, I, I just want my kid to get A's. It, that's too vague or too precise. You can't guarantee your child will always get A's, but you can want your child to succeed in school at whatever level of ability they have. So that first step is identify the changes you want to see and state them in a positive way because so that begins to get you in the right direction. Right behind that is the second step, which is be as specific as you can be. Because once you've identified the broad positive change that you want, then we start to move to the more specific and that helps us to narrow down that target. So for example, Your broad statement might be, I want my family to stop yelling at each other. By identifying specific measurable behaviors, you give your family something understandable to work toward, such as, I want my family members to speak respectfully to each other and in soft tones. You're immediately telling them the behaviors that you want to see. They're positive and they're doable. Or let's look at the other one. You can have the broad statement of I want my children to succeed in school. We can become more specific with that by saying I want my children to get their homework done without argument and work for a half an hour a day in addition to homework time with a parent on skill building to help improve grades in identified areas. Stating the specific goals you want to target gives you a really good bullseye to aim for rather than just sort of throwing out a broad wish that ends up disintegrating into complaining and nagging and dissatisfaction. So if you just said, I want my children to succeed in school, and all you said is do your homework, do your homework, do your homework, and didn't have that idea of I want them to do their schoolwork without argument, and we're going to spend time in identified areas. And when I say identified, that can be through the grades they're receiving in that area, um, a struggle that they're having with their homework when you see them do it, a specific skill they're trying to build, Together with your child to identify those areas, and then you commit to having you or your spouse be there with your children for at least that half hour a day to review that. So your kids can't come home and say, Well, I did all my homework in study hall, I don't have anything to do. They're still getting that half an hour a day with you, where you're again being the change that you seek. You're committing to that time. You're committing to being invested in helping them to identify it and making real steps toward the goal that you have chosen to set. The third step would be to identify the virtues that you and your family members need in order to achieve that goal. So often we ask ourselves or our family members to just do a thing, but we don't really tap into what it takes to change that difficult behavior pattern. And we really need God's grace to do it. All virtue or progress toward uh, toward it is a grace from God. In trying to achieve any good and worthwhile goal, it's beneficial to identify the virtues we need to achieve it and ask for God's help. So in the speaking respectfully example, A family may need to focus on the virtues of kindness and self-control. Now we can focus on that throughout the day. We can look for kind actions that we can do throughout the day. So our mindset brings us back to that idea of speaking respectfully and in polite, calm tones to each other. We can look for times when we see another family member being kind, or exercising self-control, and build them up in that. Make sure we're saying, hey, you know, it really took a lot of self-control for you to walk away from what could have been that argument with your brother. I'm really impressed that you use self-control in that area. We identify the virtues that we need to make the goal more doable, and then we look for ways to practice it and look for ways to recognize it when it happens spontaneously and build each other up in that recognition. So in the schoolwork example, the virtue that is needed may be diligence. Focusing on this virtue when doing schoolwork or any job, frankly, carefully, persistently, will help our children to develop habits and skills that will make them more successful not only in the assignment of the day, but in a lifetime of education and work. So when we say we're going to work on diligence, and we define that down for our children, you know, we'll be careful in our work, we'll be persistent in our work, even when we don't feel like it, we're going to ask God to give us those virtues to help us to do it, as we put the habits that we're trying to build up in step two into play every day, and when we ask God for the grace to do that, to recognize those virtues and to exercise them, we're really upping our chances of making those changes that we're seeking in our family life. And the fourth step is to develop a plan with small, actionable steps Once we've identified what virtues we need to help us work toward the changes we want to make, we need to have a plan to be able to go about it. Developing any virtue or good habit takes practice and repetition, you know, just as it does in building muscle, physical muscle. We don't get anywhere by just identifying that we want strong biceps, I wish we did. I would be very cut by this time if I did that. But we need to do specific, repetitive, targeted exercise to achieve those strong biceps. Well, we know that because, you know, if you watch TV, if you see a YouTube ad, you know that that's what's required in any kind of building of physical muscle. But the same applies to building virtue and the better behaviors that we want to achieve. And often that is not talked about. You you never see a YouTube video selling, you know, an ad selling a video that will help you exercise virtue on a daily basis. It's just not part of the way we think. But as mothers of faith, we need to realize that that is built up the same way physical exercise would be built up. So if we want better behavior in our family, then we have to practice building that virtue and building that better behavior by being repetitive every day. So for instance, we don't get very far in changing disrespectful speech by saying, don't talk to your brother like that. But we will make real progress if we first discuss the new goal and the attached virtue together with our family. And then together we generate ideas to practice as a family. So, you you know, every family will come up with different ideas because we're unique and unrepeatable, right? That's what the theology of the body tells us about each human person. So it applies to each family. We're unique and unrepeatable, but we can all have that family meeting to generate those ideas together. So we might, you know, say things like, um, we'll state our needs politely instead of complaining. That's really a small actionable way of doing something. And if we forget, then we can remind each other, you know, we said we would be polite to each other. We said, we said we would be positive and we wouldn't complain. Another one could be we will work together to meet those needs in a way that respects each person's needs. So we're not just meeting one person's need when we're being polite to one another or working. We're meeting everybody's needs. So we say something politely to each other and then somebody else can say, okay, that's great, but what about my need? How can we meet this as well? And we work together. Another family might say we'll ask for help if we're having difficulty figuring out our plan or one family can say all of these things, but that you're working together in the situation to generate those small actionable steps and you make a list of it together and then you hold each other accountable, not in a nagging way but in a way that says, hey, you know, remember our steps? They're on the refrigerator or, you know, they're, they're pinned up on the post-it note on the cabinet. We're all there. We're going to do this together, right? And we're cheering each other on. So let's look at the possible action steps for school success in that situation. Um, let me think. We can say something like we will create a study schedule together that factors in needs such as time to relax Keeping up friendships, the other commitments we have in our family life, etc. So it's not enough to just say we're going to take that half an hour a day to study with a parent and go over those areas of need. We also, this family will will say, need to be able to sit down and figure out when that half an hour will be so that we all get those needs met that I was talking about. We still get the family needs met. We still have time to catch up. You know, our student has time to catch up with their friends. They have time to relax after an exhausting day. But when we come up with that plan together and put it on the schedule, it becomes one small actionable step that we commit to together. You could also say things like, parent and child will schedule short times, that 15 15 minutes to a half an hour, To review those areas of study that need to be strengthened. So you're committing to that together. And in this case, giving a little bit of leeway. Some days it might be those 15 minutes because that's all that's needed or that's all that's available. Other days we'll commit to the whole half hour, but we're making this step actionable together. Another one might be we'll get help from a teacher or a tutor or an online resource if we've depleted our own reserves on the topic of study. Now I will say this, in that step that a family would come up with, that doesn't get mom or dad out of that half an hour of study with their child. You're going together to get that help from the teacher or the tutor or the online resource so that the parents can learn the way that particular thing is being taught and help their student review it. So you're doing it together in a way that you're committed to together. And that might include discussing with your child how to approach that teacher or student, or I'm sorry, teacher or tutor that won't embarrass them. You're not going to march in with your 10th grader in front of the whole school and say to the teacher, I need you to teach us how to do this problem. You're going to discuss it together, but it becomes a small actionable step that you commit to together. So you can see in all of these examples, we as moms are not just telling our family members what to do differently. We're being part of the process We're mastering our own sense of of virtue and self-control and we're working with our family members to create the change together. Now, of course, these were just a couple of examples I could probably go on forever and often we discuss a lot of different examples about these kinds of things with our callers on on More to Life, our radio show every day at 10 a.m., on Sirius XM 130 or on the EWTN radio network. Um, So you can hear a lot of these or even ask some of your own questions about your particular changes that you want to see in your family and how to make them happen. But the formula, that four-step process, really helps us to move in a direction in which we can be successful as moms. Because when we identify specific changes that we want to see in our family, when we tap into the virtues required to make those changes and we create a plan with actionable steps to work on together, we are becoming the change we want to see in our family by discipling them while actively participating in the change we seek. In doing this, we can make real and lasting progress toward rewarding and beneficial family changes that will go beyond the steps that we want to take in the moment, that will go beyond just stopping a behavior we're dealing with today. Doing these four steps will create a change that can be taken out over a lifetime because we're teaching our children what it takes to be the person that God is calling them to be. So it will work in the moment, but it will work for our whole time of parenting them, and then it will work for them as young adults and adult people who try to make changes in their own lives and the lives of the children they will one day have. So it's well worth taking the few moments that it takes to do these four steps and really lay down a lifetime of being able to relate well together, love one another, and be the change that we seek in our family life. And yes, because we're changing our family for the better in the life of the world. You really are a pretty powerful woman, mom. I promise you you are, we just need to cooperate with God and take some small steps to achieve those changes we really are seeking in our family life. I know you can do it, but if you need even more help, please join us any day, Monday through Friday, on More to Life, our radio show that's on at 10 a.m. Eastern time, or if you need help throughout your day, check out the Catholic Home app. That's Catholic H-O-M. You can download it from your app store, and it's free to download. It's got a whole great free site, and you've got lots of conversation going on there and lots of helps and questions you can ask and get response from the other folks who have the app and also from our professionals there at Catholic H-O-M. On the premium side, you get a much deeper dive into it and you actually get coaching that comes along with that premium side from our experts and the the counselors at catholiccounselors.com are ever present there. So it gives you a whole way to create the Catholic family life that you wish to have with literally a community of great Catholic help right in your back pocket whenever you're feeling stumped or aggravated or depleted or you want to share a real success. So lots of resources for you. And I hope that Momfidence helped you feel a little bit more like you can do this today because yeah, I know you can. God bless you all. Thanks for joining me today for this Momfidence moment. If you want more encouragement, come on over to momfidence.org for the blog and other confidence-boosting resources.